0: Distinguished adventurers. I'm not gonna talk about the last time on Dungeon Drunks because we're not actually playing today. Welcome to the 2019 end of year Q and A, this time with everybody. I am usually, woohoo, I'm usually your DM, Lauren. You might know me as obo-crazy, but tonight I will just be asking a bunch of questions that we got from Twitter, from Patreon, from me. You know, fun things. Fun things is we chat about the year in our little weird D and D lives, and hopefully what is about to come next. I should say it is as we record this the first night of Hanukkah, and so
1: Haggismaiah,
0: Haggismaiah to everybody. <laughs> yeah, the two Jews. Happy in the room Hanukkah. Just
1: like, <laughs> I haven't actually lit the candles yet. Oh, we were waiting until after this.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, sundown will be sometime during this because it's actually it's Seattle. It was sundown like four days ago, and it hasn't come back up yet. Anyway, before we get completely off topic, I, I will talk about what I am drinking tonight. I'm drinking a, a local beverage. I have some Woodenville bourbon Ooh. in this lovely bottle, which I I will take pictures of, which we literally tried because it was on sale and it was local and we're like, oh, we're going to pick up some bullet. And then, oh, all right, we'll pick up some bullet, but we'll try this later. And then everybody that we talked to was like, this is really good. And they are right. It is very good. So I am happy. And I'm not going to be introducing you by your character names, which means I get to say a lot of J's right now. (laughs) Jack, what are you drinking? Good people of
2: Faerun. Jack's choice this evening is a little obscure beverage that I don't think anyone's ever heard of. It is called White Claw Hard Seltzer.
3: <laughs> nice! <Jesus. laughs>
2: oh, this is going to be great here
4: in a second. Is that a is that a local brew?
2: I I don't know if they're <laughs> local or not. I want to say they're they're U.S. based. Um, I I want Fuck. you to support this small <laughs> independent brand. <laughs> And uh, it's mango flavored, and I'm gonna do a live tasting right here to see uh, what all the fuss is about. God damn it, Jackie, basic. basic
3: Prepare for flavorlessness. While
0: you're drinking that, while you're tasting that, I'm gonna say I actually have had not heard of White Claw until incredibly recently when I ran a one shot for some friends, including my husband, and he played a barbarian named White Claw, (laughs) and I thought (laughs) for a moment. Luke is I'm a like, treasure.
1: He must be protected. I'm like, is
0: this like a, what are you, huh? And I'm like, is this a thing? And he went, it's a drink. And I had to yeah. go look it up. So, so, Jack? It's decidedly okay.
2: It's, it, 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 it's inoffensive <laughs> in that it has no flavor that, which could offend. It's just, you drink it and there's like a little, there's mango hiding in there somewhere. You can kind of taste a little bit, but- it's not, I don't hate it. It's just sort of there. And if it's the only thing that's there, I guess I'll drink it. But I don't think I'm going to seek it out anymore. It's basically sparkling water with a little bit of booze. And mm. that's fine.
0: And that's fine. And, and if it's, you see
2: me glancing occasionally to the left, it's because the Eagles are playing the Cowboys right now. I get to find out whether the game of football can actually be played with zero wide receivers. I'm hoping it can be, because screw Dallas. What are the uh, respective records right now? Oh, they're seven and seven. They're both
4: both teams are seven and seven. They're
2: basically fighting to see who gets to lose to the Vikings at home in the first round of playoffs. I was
3: really hoping that one of the teams would make it into the playoffs with a losing six record. And ten.
2: Yes, but oh well. Washington no, had the only shot. Like if there was like a four way tie, there was some sort of crazy math where the Washington team, whose team name shall not be named, nope, could have gotten in.
0: Oh, oh, you mean that? I thought Seattle. here I am in Seattle, and I thought you were talking about us. No, 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 uh, no. You guys are Seattle, not Washington. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as
3: I know, Seattle does not have any racist team names. I, I don't know, think those
4: so.
2: <laughs> the Seahawks. <laughs> the Seahawks. Come on. <laughs> the you know, Seahawks Mariner has been complaining about the Mariner name for some time now.
0: The Seahawks are also playing right now, and the only thing I know is that they're in Seattle. And so when we were going to go into Seattle to go have dinner with some friends in town, I went, no, we're not, because I'm not going anywhere near the city yeah. Well, there's a football game going So on. that's a crazy scenario. They're playing the Niners, and the winner of that ga- t- game will be
2: the number one seed and- of the NFC, and the loser of that game will be the number six seed, because crazy NFL playoff scenario in mathematics.
0: That's that's good to know that the Seahawks are doing okay enough. All right, well let's let's move on. Jonathan, what are you drinking?
3: Hey, this is Jonathan, and normally I play Jonathan, the much muscular. I I'm already had a bit to drink, and Jack, there's a reason why I wanted to go right after you because one of my drinks tonight is a truly hard Whoa! seltzer. <laughs> there's a new entry in the seltzer wars, apparently. I, didn't
2: think I, so I so bought a mine. twelve
3: pack of, of this wars? shit on <laughs> oh on, on a whim. And they are kind of flavorless, but they have very little sugar. And they, for having only five percent alcohol, they hit pretty hard. I got pr- pretty lit on these, uh, and uh, and uh, and played some Crucible in Destiny, and actually earned a couple of guns while drunk on these things.
0: I'm really surprised because usually, like, I totally get cider or wine not needing a lot in order to feel effects from the alcohol because of the sugar. But if that's low sugar, what the hell? I don't know. I
3: don't but get it's, it. But it's, it's, it's like got two grams of sugar in this whole thing or one gram. Sorry. No, two because it, anyway. Um. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Anyway. I do have another drink that I am going right now. And it is in my lovely bgg.com glass tumbler that I got. It is, for our good friend Goober the Great, it is another Smirkin' Beard homebrew mead, which I think Ooh. all of us, are, or most of us, are familiar with. Oh, yeah. This one is called Helper's Goodberry Sour, and here is the label. It oh is named God. for my druid in a DD game run by a friend of the show, Izzy. It, it features uh, myself and the aforementioned Goober the Great, Goober the Great's tiny wife, and our good friend, uh, Amanda. So it's a collection of folks, and it is a really, really fun game. Oh, it includes our friend uh, Dan Clem as well now. He's a recent addition. But yeah, nice. this is named for my Druid's uh, Good Berries. And live tasting, guys. It is definitely sour. It's got a hint of carbonation. I like it. I think some of his, uh, I think his uh Hugo's Foes last year is probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. That, that one, one was really good. I think this one has potential. I don't think this qu- bottle is quite there, but I will finish this because Gooper is my friend and this is good.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the stuff, like when I sat down at, at that uh meetup at RTX and he's like, here's like a dozen different meads. It was a ridiculous amount of mead. A meetup. And it wasn't, I got meaded up. I totally meaded at that meetup. It wasn't that any of them were bad. It was my personal taste preferences had some better than others, but all of them were really good. So yeah, uh, that totally makes sense to me. Jules, what are you drinking? Uh, so tonight- uh... Sorry, I'm going around on my screen and <laughs> oh, John, you say... have to be last. I saw you.
1: Is there more seltzer?
0: <laughs> do, we, do,
1: we need, do we need to adjust? Let's adjust. adjust. We adjust need to why. adjust seltzer. Okay.
0: Jules- Hold that thought. And I'm leaving all of this in so everybody knows. So, Jules, hold that thought because apparently, John.
4: Uh, I also have a contender into the the new (laughs) seltzer (laughs) war. Uh, So, uh, I got some flavored seltzer water here. I got uh, bubbly sparkling water. uh, And it is blackberry flavored. Uh, My wife and I did a Costco run and found a new brand. And the little tab, I don't know if you can see it there. It says, hi, you.
0: Aw. Okay, that's kind of adorable.
4: Uh, each flavor has a different little saying on the
0: tab. Yes, Jules, I will take a picture
1: of the, <laughs> tab. Of the tab specifically.
0: Please. Yeah, that is that is kind of adorable. And blackberry is really good, mm-hmm. so I, I am a fan.
4: I'll put a little dragon pin on it too, so it's D and D related.
0: So we've
1: whiskied, we've seltzered.
0: <laughs> Jules.
1: What are you drinking? I had to remove it from the koozie. Uh, I am the Whitewater Brewing Company Whistling Paddler. It's an English style ale, and it's really really good in whitewater brewing is from the ottawa valley here in ontario and i like it because the whistling paddler is clearly naked <laughs> um. yes oh my but that, so that is a burlesque shot
0: if i've ever seen one some
1: burlesque beer is that but a come hither whistle it's a am um, <laughs> naked in the wilderness whistle <laughs> so fun fact when we were scheduling this, I wrote in my calendar is 3 p.m. Eastern. And so I went to the gym with Stephen and I was swimming and I was like, we have to be done by two so I can get back and I can get set up. But for reals, um, I was on the kickboard and I was like sitting there and this thought popped into my head. I was like, I bet they mean 3 p.m. Pacific.
0: Listen, as much as we've been doing this for a very long time, it, it's still, we, it's, yeah, we have oh. to. Like, right? It's, it, there's always going to be problems. So we have questions. Letters. We get letters. Uh, we get stacks, of the... uh,
2: letters. Sorry. Thank
0: you. We have no. Never be sorry. I. I always enjoy that. We have some questions from the twitters We we have some that came in from Patreon, which I think I might have asked a couple of you at our when we were at Packs Unplugged. And not only can I not remember, but now we get to ask it of everybody. And I have a question for all of you. So first, let us start. With the Twitters. Al the Bard, at Al the Bard, wants to know this has probably been asked, and I've been binging Brooklyn 99. But if you could pick any cast member to play with, who would they be, and what class would they play? This doesn't have to be just Brooklyn 99. It can be anyone wrestler, actor, famous animal, blah, blah, blah. But does anybody have a Brooklyn 99 person? They would, everybody, holy shit. Okay, John, <laughs> go first.
4: Terry Crews. Scary Terry the Paladin.
0: <laughs> mm. didn't he play already didn't he do one of those like didn't he do the world of warcraft one with mercer
4: uh i don't know i don't know well i'm gonna, I'm
0: well, gonna well, i would want to play with you? terry
1: cruz
4: because he's charismatic charismatic charming and strong as hell
0: oh. those are all good reasons jules how about you i saw you raising your hand
1: i was i was thinking character and so i i want to play with rosa ah,
0: Rosa,
1: ah, yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> rosa i
1: think would weirdly take to it like She'd be very good at it. I've only yeah. had this goblin for five minutes,
4: and I think if anything, anything bad happens, I'll kill everybody in this room and then myself.
1: I yeah, I feel like she would definitely be either like a fighter, like a monk or a rogue.
4: She's like Ooh. I can kill you with my bare hands. Yeah, like or <laughs> yeah, a rom- I know that. monk rogue multiclass.
0: Yeah, yeah that would work very well also yes i have confirmed terry cruz did do a game of celebra d with ah, marissa okay. w- ray ashley birch troy baker talison jaffe jessica chobot and created by matt mercer
3: okay i'm gonna have to go watch that because that yep. is probably amazing
0: i do remember seeing bits of it i don't think i've seen the whole thing yet um and it was a it was a world of warcraft themed one so definitely go check that out but yeah going on uh jonathan you you had a suggestion well my other two were
3: taken but i think that on the on more of the scale that i like to play DD, you know the the number crunchy and the little munchkinny and sort of uh, uh min maxer i think the ultimate min maxer would be santiago i think mm. she would oh, yeah. be she would dive into the rules and come into a game with a character that has no rp value at all but can do like Twenty damage and attack at first level, just because she was able to puzzle out how to do it, and like I, in that environment, I think that would be getting like getting pure big-brained, uh, neurotic, uh, Santiago in that in that environment would be great. I think that'd be awesome.
1: I'm I'm so very here for that. I also I also think uh, Captain Holt would make a great paladin. Yeah, mm.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like Captain Holt is a bard. Ooh, i could see him voice. thinking
1: he would ma- i could see him making or like a great an paladin he would
4: be a good I could bard.
1: think he would think he would be a great bard you know what i mean like yeah he, he, given how much he loves classical music i feel like he would be somebody who would think they're an awesome bard but
3: my song is compelling <laughs> yeah. and it inspires you please <laughs> take your d8
1: how about you,
2: jack so, it's funny that you mentioned Captain Holt, because I remember our game at the uh, the Descent, like, I kind of played model character after Captain Holt, basically, and I got inspiration just because of that. But uh, I think, I have two answers, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine answer and a non-answer. For Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think Boyle would be perfect. There's nothing better than unearned confidence when it comes to a game. Like, I love people who are supremely assured of themselves, but also supremely wrong, and it's kind of kind of character I'd want to play. You know, in fact, I'm sort of. I'll talk to Lauren about this how, like, you know, being really, really <laughs> confident and really, really dumb are just the best and the funniest things in the world. Oh, uh, I play with Julio Trulio, too. I don't know, like, much about them. I don't watch as much Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But since Al gave the question and he mentioned wrestler, I feel like I'm obliged to give an wrestler answer. So there's a wrestler by the name of, um, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name now. His nickname is Prince Pretty Tyler Breeze. So there's a a YouTube channel called Up Up Down Down that is basically mm. a bunch of WWE wrestlers playing video games, right? I don't watch. They WWE, have so much fun, but oh, I, I love, love watching them play games. And they recently did a thing where their championship was defended, and out of nowhere, Tyler Breeze, like pretending to be the Grubhub delivery guy, challenges Alexa Bliss for the game. And he wins, and Woods actually doesn't like Breeze all that much or just plays it off that way. So now it's like the nightmare scenario, and they even have like a spinoff channel called Left Right Left Right, which is just NXT, which is like the minor league for WWE wrestlers, like basically making fun of Austin. So I would love a character like Prince Pretty who has like the selfie camera looking at him playing D&D with me. So Tyler Breeze, hit me up on, on on my Twitter. I'll be back by the new year.
0: I love seeing uh, WWE superstar Xavier Woods TM. I like seeing him when he shows up on the ACK Inc. games because he is. I think my favorite moment of his was when uh, he was playing. It wasn't this last game, but it was one of the other games in where he was playing with Evelyn and Evelyn was trying to do a wrestling move. And he very. She was just like, but I'm not sure. I think it's this, this. And he was like. And he just turned into, (laughs) like, the helpful informational wrestler. Well, I'll tell you, this is, what you're doing is exactly correct, and you can do it this way, and you would be using this, and you would actually be using dexterity if you really wanted to, instead of strength. And he basically, like, propped her up, and it was like, yes, in real life, that's exactly how you would do this wrestling thing. And so for D&D, you should be able to do it just this way that you want to. And I'm like, that's amazing. it was, it was so much fun. It was so super cool. Okay, moving on, friend of the show Carly, Carly Bean at Twitter. Were there any other names considered for the animal companions that each player chose? So I I think we'll go in order of who who got their animals. So Travancore, was there an alternative to Shadow?
2: I think Shadow is always going to be Shadow because I kind of imagined his animal companion he'd follow Travancore around like a shadow. That's kind of the origin of Shadow's name, and he's black bear, so looks like a shadow, so it made sense. There was a, a minute, like a hot minute before I really understood the rules of the Beastmaster and the Rangers and stuff, where I was considering a pseudo-dragon. I remember that, and I remember telling you, if you want to go that way, I'll let you do it, you know? But I, I think it worked out better, because, I mean, like, I, I don't know that I ever really considered like a name for the pseudo-dragon, but I think looking back at it, I would have picked something like, super undragon like like Dennis.
1: <laughs> That's a great dragon name.
2: That's a Venice awesome the dragon. dragon name. Yeah. Why why, why can't litera- dragon be named Dennis? I have to keep that in mind for my next character.
0: <laughs> I'm now now there's gonna be a dragon that's gonna show up whose name is Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think Bucks probably came next. Yeah. yeah. Right. What did Bucks ever have an alternative name.
3: I don't remember. I, I know that I picked his name because I wanted the shortened version to be Bucks and I just kind of went from there. I just, when I thought about an owl and I thought about the name Bucks, I was just like, nope, that's it. And so then it was just like, okay, I want a longer name because having a tiny creature with an incredibly long and kind of superfluous name is funny. And just, had I don't know, it just seemed right.
0: So let me ask, because, so I knew that Jack was thinking about something other than a bear at first. Were you thinking about something other than an owl?
3: No, I was because i i really wanted a flying creature because this was this was kind of when i was I, i'm still min maxi a bit but i'm like no, i want a familiar that flies i want a scout and i was just like yeah he's gonna fly and i think uh definitely watching caleb on critical role uh have uh Frumpkin, his cat, uh, the, not only the utility that he has, but also just the fact that Frumpkin is adorable. I definitely see now how a non-flying familiar would still be really, really good. But mm-hmm. I, I love the direction that Bucks has gone. And this is in no small part to the rest of my players here, like coming up with a various little Vax and Owl stuff. And then our listeners coming up with with various owl facts and I I love I love it all. I absolutely do. So I'm I'm super super glad that Bucks ended up being who he was. So
0: Jules, Bernie was given Coco Snoot. I do believe you got to name him. But yeah. Was so you were surprised by the battle dog? Was there ever any other names in the running besides Baron von Coco Snoot?
1: Baron von Coco Snoot is semi named after a children's band called Baron Von (laughs) Rumblebus.
4: So it's a mix of a children's band and a beer.
1: (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But then there's also the fact that I had that horse that I named Peanut Butter, and they were peanut butter and chocolate, and no one ever got it. It made me really sad.
0: (laughs) 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 But we got it now. Well, that's adorable. And And then, of course, there's Blue, who is... He's not really a pet, but it was a an animal that you got to name He's a companion of mine. Yeah.
4: And one, I'm very t- terrible at pronouncing his wolf name. I'd get the house completely wrong. <laughs> uh, so Carlton named him Blue. But when I was like coming up with my backstory, uh, I had like envisioned ghosts from Game of Thrones, like for Blue, like the albino, the the Runt, similar to Carlton, kind of like slightly the outcast, but ghost is White with red eyes. So I was like, I want to do blue eyes because I have blue eyes. It's cool. And I can audibly hear everybody groaning if I called this one Ghost. So Carlton, being a child, would probably just call him Blue. So that's that, makes kind of sense. Where I, that was my thought process for the, uh, the dog name.
0: Yeah, names for anything are hard, but especially for companion animals. Moving on to other animals, Scraticus wants to know. Would you rather fight a dire goose or a hellhound? And I'm going to answer this first, because a hellhound, not a dire goose. I'd way rather fight a hellhound, because if you ever had to fight a goose in real life, not just a dire goose, just like a Canadian goose, those things will fuck you up. They are nasty, they are huge, and they have no fear.
1: They stink.
0: They kind of do, but usually when I've encountered uh, Canadian geese, it's been in the middle of winter, and so I can't really smell anything anyway. (laughs) So yeah, that, anyone else have any alternatives oh. to Hellhound? Not an Hell alternative. Hound.
4: Hellhound, definitely, because when I
0: was a child, I
4: got attacked by a flock of geese because I ran out of bread while feeding them, and I never want to have to go through that experience again.
0: <laughs> geese are nasty. There's there's a reason why dire goose, just like the, all geese are dire geese. Having recently
3: RP'd as a, as a goose in an untitled goose game, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, game I would so definitely so take the Hellhound.
1: Mess with the honk ge- you get geese the are g-
4: honk
3: honk and they are diabolical and and evil.
2: I know. I've been in its head. So going thinking with the exact same thing that geese are badasses and they are not to be trifled with, I actually have to answer geese because I feel responsibility to humanity to combat this evil. And it, you don't make the choice necessarily Ooh, oh. best for you. You make the choice that will leave the world better, or as Frozen 2 might say, the next best. you do the next best thing,
4: or the next good the thing. The needs of the many outweigh the needs yeah. of the few.
0: I will say, as much as I don't want to have to battle geese because of all the reasons listed, I, there would be, no matter how evil a hellhound is, that moment in where they do the puppy dog, Arr! as soon as you hurt them there would be a moment in where i would feel bad even if they are a hellhound trying to drag me to avernus i've
4: used that so many times against my players i love it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean i feel like if you're in
2: faerun and you attack a dire geese that's like free drinks for the rest of your life if you win right
1: i feel like if 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 i rolled good enough you would let me make friends with the hell
0: it would depend on the situation and it would depend on the hellhound I will say. And that has less to do with it being a hellhound and more with it being, an like, my opinion on becoming friends and or companions with adult animals or wild animals is that you can gain a little bit of trust, but one or two roles and they're not suddenly your pets. I mean... We have to remember, I know Bernie was going through some shit when Travancore was trying to get be friends with Shadow. But Shadow, despite being a ranger's beast companion, it took him a while and he was a young black bear. So he had to make some rolls and he had to gain his trust and everything. I'm not saying no, I'm just saying it, it wouldn't be one one animal handling check and suddenly you have a, a... Also, you don't really want to be riding around on a hellhound. Bernie is not immune to fire.
1: We can work something out.
0: I'm not saying no, I'm just, I'm just warning you. Just not saying
1: yes. We'll, we'll stick,
0: we'll stick with Bernie for a moment because uh, Daniel had a question for you. Uh, they asked, maybe I missed it or forgot, but whatever happened to Bernie's lemon tree? It was the catalyst that sent them to the Feywild, but I don't remember what happened to it after they got back and went on the next story arc. Bernie, where's your lemon tree?
1: Uh, The lemon tree is currently growing in the pocket dimension. And we haven't been there in... A minute, actually. Couple days.
4: But we do know the Modrons are really good at gardening. From my vegetable garden,
1: I'm, we're going to come true. back and find the lemon tree growing out the house. Like,
4: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like the house it's now a tree house.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I I'm fully prepared. I've been prepared for that for a while. It's like it's like three days in our time, but it's also one of those things where, like, I mean, clearly, we don't always get to record like, as often, so we'll talk about things taking a month when they really took a couple of hours, but, you yeah. know, it has been like a while since we, in human being time, have been in the pocket house.
0: And you do, you have figured out that time works the same way. You don't, it, you know, if you spend eight hours in the pocket house, it's eight hours in the material plane, and vice versa. So that at least helps a little bit with the, the mathing. But yeah, it's it's been a little while. The last couple of times y'all have been in the pocket house, it's been a quick in and out in frantic style, and it's been fun. But yeah, we'll, we'll be back for that lemon tree. Finally, although I think Jonathan said that he had a couple of questions from uh, another friend of the show, but... Our our final question that came on in is from friend of the show, Nick G., who wants to know, have you ever thought of doing a Call of Cthulhu one-shot? My answer is no, because i kind of
1: not really a horror person, but I'd play in it, sure. I love Call of Cthulhu. I am scared (laughs) of every scary movie that is out there. I don't watch horror, don't really read horror, but I love Call of Cthulhu, and when I had more time... Uh, and maybe I have more time this year. I was actually playing in a streamed game and it was so much fun. And I don't think I was very good at it, but <laughs> I would 100% play a Call of Cthulhu game with everyone. I would actually really enjoy playing with all of us as players and bringing in one of our friends who could DM, who's DM'd before. So, or GM'd or whatever. Keepered. Keeper is what lore,
3: it's Lord Keeper, I think.
0: Secret Keeper? Lore, Something see, like
1: that. But uh, I think that would be fun to be investigators with all of us together.
0: Mm. Bring in a guest. D- Whether we do a Call of Cthulhu or not, I am intrigued by the idea of bringing in a guest DM for a I one think shot. Be so
1: fun. Mm. How
0: about the rest of you?
2: Yeah, I'd be down. Everything, literally everything I know about Call of Cthulhu, I know from Jules t- talking about it. So, for whatever reason in my mind, like, there wires crossed. Every time I hear Call of Cthulhu, I hear Metallica's cover of Curse of the Pharaoh by Merciful <laughs> Fate. That's amazing. So, maybe it'll, be, it'll go, if I actually play it, will go away. We'll find out.
4: Working at Level Up, I, we had a couple of Call of Cthulhu, like, special products, and it's like, it's got me intrigued in the system and the, the lore but I have no idea how to work that system, but I would definitely be down to play it.
3: Most of my like Call of Cthulhu or Lovecraftian knowledge actually comes from board games. Uh, things like Arkham Horror or Elder Sign or the Cthulhu Wars which if you've been to PAX South or or PAX Unplugged and you've seen a giant board game with giant miniatures that are mostly tentacles and monsters that's Call of the Cthulhu it's fucking nuts it's amazing but I I actually did watch the uh Critical Role one shot where uh, Taliesin was the keeper and that was that was really good that was really fucking scary and it was Call of the Cthulhu but they used a different kind of scary monster that I wasn't experienced or I wasn't expecting and it worked out really well so I am also curious I would you you have my tentacle
0: <laughs> I will say as, yes. as much as I'm As much as I'm not a a fan of horror in all of its varied forms, I did play a Aliens one-shot that we sadly never got to finish um, with my Demon Plague crew. Rudy Basso DM'd, and it was me, and TK Johnson, and, oh, James Intercasso, and Robert Aducci, And basically, they got me to play because it was with them, and it was, I'm like, I will play anything with all of you. And... What I what reminded me of that was when Jonathan was talking about it being called a Cthulhu, except not with Cthulhu with a a monster that he wasn't familiar with. What I liked about the aliens RPG that we played was that it was a it it was a alien, but it wasn't the one you see in all of the the movies. And it wasn't what I liked Xenomorph. about. Yeah, it was a xenomorph that had come from a different creature. And so it wasn't exactly you You knew some of what was going on, but you didn't exactly know what this creature was just because you'd seen all the movies. And I liked that they had dove enough into the lore to have that kind of variety in their storytelling. But yeah, I'm not always a horror person. So, you know. I, I sometimes try to dip into it for certain monsters that you all you all encounter, but uh, I can't stay there long. Eventually, things have to get ridiculous again.
1: For being not always a horror person, you have succeeded in, like, what was it? It was the course of, like, two play sessions when we were in the forest, and it was, like, the decaying forest, and the voice you did, and it ended up being something we had to help, but, like, you did such so- <laughs> the creepy child voice i was like i'm going to have to go to bed now
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i would like to play Just my sleep x card now on that thought <laughs> yeah Ugh. well thank you i i try to d- horror for me what i can do is creepy and but yeah i can't as as you've all seen on the show i can't stay there long i get anxious and weird um before i ask my final question did any of you have questions for each other
3: Actually, I'm going to go ahead and pop in with one of the ones that Izzy uh, brought up. Sure. This is in, uh, with regard to uh, the instrument of the bards. Hmm. She wanted to know why no one pushed back against Bernie trying to keep the instrument when you guys had a dragon you were dealing with that wanted one. That would have been a reason <laughs> enough to say she needed it to hang over. So I was—I've th- been thinking about this for a little bit. Bernie's
1: and scarier I... than a dragon. That's what you're. <laughs> yes, Bernie no, more than. No, Dr. No, seriously,
3: I think that Bernie deci- deciding with such force of will that it was hers. Jonathan the Magic muscular was by far the person with the most stakes in getting that instrument back to work. So when she just said, "Hey, it's mine now," he was compelled. He's like, "Okay."
0: Sure. Fine. So let me let me interrupt and ask before the other two answer that question, Jules or Bernie, whoever wants to answer this. And, oh, and if you don't want and if you don't want to answer this, I will understand. Why is it that Bernie became so suddenly attached to this instrument? And as I said, if you don't want to answer that, that's fine. Because I mean there was a good couple of weeks in where you and I talked about whether you were gonna multiclass into BARD because of it. Like you were and and as far as i know you're still kind of serious about that idea uh but what what is it about either that instrument or be or being a bard or doing musical stuff that made you go
1: mine so i think it was it was a couple things a my my husband who listens to the show has multiple times said that um you are not a very good cleric but you are a very good bard Uh,
0: (laughs) i would disagree (laughs) that you're not a very good cleric but I do think you would be like, a very
3: good bard. I, I think as far as the cleric scale, Bernie rates pretty highly in comparison to some other clerics that that we've encountered in various shows.
0: Yeah, mine. Mine. You know, you know how many dungeon drunks have died so far? None. You know how many people on Beyond Heroes have died? Several.
4: <laughs> Todd's more evil than you.
3: Tom Hazel, you're a lousy cleric. <laughs> I love you. I love you, man, but you're not very good.
0: Or Kira's just not that good of a cleric.
3: You are. You are great. Laura Bailey mm. is awesome. She has fun with Jester. Jester's not a very good cleric.
0: I if, mean, if, oh, I'm not dead, so I can't complain. Here's the thing. If by cleric, you mean healer, because really- That's true. That's yeah. True. yeah. 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 If, if you mean cleric, you know, anyway, back to- Anyway, back to sorry, Pony. sorry. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, I, well, he, mostly his point was that I play Bernie like- I play – because we were playing in another game for a while that just kind of unfortunately had to dissolve for me because of I was working and going to the game immediately after and it was hard. But I was a bard in that game and I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Like a lot. Like I loved being a bard and Steven was like listening to the show and watching you play this bard. He was like, you play Bernie like she's a bard. In terms of I think uh the idea of being able to like – I like the idea that she can talk her way out of things or into things with the right role. I think people, I think anybody with a good charisma or even a mildly good charisma, I think it's underused, the idea of selling somebody on something. And I have always been very, this is horrible to say, for anybody who's listening who is of a great faith. I have always been, and I think maybe it comes out of growing up in the South to a degree in the the land of the charismatic pastor. Um, but it is, I mean, the religion in the United States is also the land of people who are incredibly charismatic who are uh, literally selling you redemption. And I always think that's interesting. And I think the combo of uh, of a bard and a cleric seems like a, a combo. Like, I think if I decided to play Bernie Evil, she would be literally... Like one of those TV evangelical style people whose Mm. morals are for sale and who, as long as they are maintaining their power, will take what somebody else has as a very truly deeply held faith and will skew it to get what they want. Uh, I think that to me is interesting. Like uh, faith is interesting to me and why we have faith and the ways we have ritual are always very interesting. So I've tried to make sure Bernie has good and interesting ritual that makes sense. But the bard is always like the charisma aspect of a bard is so interesting to me. And I think that it's like, I've seen people who are like, the instrument was like sort of an inroad. Also, I was all alone and I was jealous that you guys got to go play. <laughs> <laughs> we missed <laughs> you so much. You did. I was like, oh, I just really want to be there. But if I get on plane right now, my back will wreck itself which was so true Mm -hmm. and she was doing this thing and it was this thing she did all alone I think that should mean I think when you exist in a group I think from a personal standpoint like in terms of like actual humans and how we view things when we exist in groups and then go do something alone but I also think from a storytelling standpoint anytime someone goes off and does something that's alone there has to be some sort of weight to it, and I think Bernie is selfish in weird ways, and this was a purely selfish move. Like, from a me standpoint, I think bards are interesting and cool, and if I ever got to play some kind of evil cleric-bard combo, I you guys would all be... Sending me money so that G- God may bless you. Uh, send me $10 so that God will bless you. You know, like those kinds of people who are... Every
4: time Bernie heals he just takes a gold out of your pocket. Yeah, no, yeah,
1: I, you know, that would be if I played a cleric and a um, rogue comp. <laughs>
0: That's if we uh, decide to play an actor acquisitions incorporated game
1: or if we yeah. decide to play the game i wanted to play for a while which is evil twins um <laughs> but no i think yeah like, I, 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 like you guys like i mean you guys hear about these things that people that take people's real faith and take advantage of them and while that is horrible and wrong it is also from a character perspective very interesting. Um, which is why d d is not real. Um, yep. And it's sometimes good to explore these concepts knowing they're not real. But no, I just thought, yeah, Bernie would keep this. I think she's a little selfish. She's a cleric. She's not a perfect person, though. Like, she didn't want to be a cleric, as we're sort of finding out. And I like the idea that she was like, I want this. I want this for no other reason than that I want it. And I literally did find it. And in her skewed logic, she decided she would make it her friend. And she past that wisdom save
0: she did and my only regret <laughs> is that <laughs> i couldn't let you attune to it fully because it, you do you do have to be a bard that was i am not above changing anything on the fly, especially when it comes to mechanics for story. But I will say, and this might be a tiny spoiler, there are reasons that only bards can attune the, to those instruments. So, so
1: maybe Bernie. Is so a yeah, bard. you passed the
0: wisdom saving throw, so it wasn't going to hurt you when you played it. But I, I, there was a moment where I'm like, can I just change everything about everything I've done in the last couple of years just so that Bernie could actually play this thing? Oh, but I think it'll be more interesting, especially if you do decide to go bard. Soria will be waiting. Real quick. So, Travancore. So, we heard about Jonathan. We know Carlton is just afraid of Bernie. Travancore, why haven't you protested more?
2: I think that Travancore and Bernie's story arc is actually really interesting. From the fact that they go from like okay, just being there to having that whole like row over the bear, and then finally getting some trust, and then finding out what Travancore's is really up to in Favonius, and then having to earn her trust back again. <laughs> Travencore is just going kind to of trip. He has a lot of trepidation about doing anything to cross Bernie at this point. He trusts her a lot. And he sort of sees her as kind of a moral compass and sort of like the first person actually questioning all the stuff that you know, you get all this baggage and grow up in a certain culture or civilization. You just sort of take things for granted. Like just without questioning them. Until you run to somebody who forces you to ask questions. So when it comes to like this instrument, it's just like, all right, I mean part of it's Travancore like pick and choose in his battles and not wanting to get on Bernie's bad side again. <laughs> and part of it's like fuck, actually with it. Yeah. And part of it's, like, actually some trust that Travancore has in in Bernie at this point. Just being like, alright, you know what? This isn't the most important thing. And then, Travancore probably hates Thontravec the most of everyone in the party. So, screw Thontravec is also a motivating factor there. It's like, if this makes him a little pissed off, even if it causes us trouble, it's like... It's one of those choices a character makes that even if it's not the best thing for the party, it's not the most expedient way to victory, it's very much true for for the character. Travancore is motivated in part by spite of his enemies. So
0: thumbing his <laughs> eye at a Fact by already having it is something which like, alright, I'm good with that. Alright, all right, uh, Jonathan, one more and then I've got I've got one last question for all of you before we gotta go. I was actually so
3: this isn't more, um, as much a question from Izzy as a comment and since we were just talking about Thantor Vrak, this is actually the time for it. Actually kind of have a question with regard to Thontorvac. Basically, you guys instantly made yourselves super shifty in your responses when you could have been mostly truthful, truthful and maybe taken on less suspicion from him. He had no idea you guys were af- what you guys were after when you called him. And you could have been just honest about why you called him and it would have sounded better. A wizard being curious about a magic item, that how a magic item works, and testing it is pretty normal. An adventuring group, adventuring is normal. It's been a while, so I don't remember all of the details of the interactions, but it just seemed to me you guys tried to plan out uh, what to say and dance around uh, with more lies. And it just came off more and more suspicious, if you had just been honest. That is extremely astute and correct. Correct. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if Izzy was in our party perhaps things would go a little better <laughs> yeah. sometimes. If, kind of the moral of
3: this. If it's Izzy were, like, were in our Geez. party, there would be a lot... Like, she and Bernie would be the two going, the fuck are you guys doing? And if, like, Bernie misses something, then Izzy would get it. If Izzy misses something, then Bernie would get it. It would I be...
0: Will, I will <laughs> say, in defense of all of
3: you... That's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with what happens.
0: Yeah, like... And in defense Trunk, of, of these characters and everything that has <laughs> happened and your reactions to it, it is really easy to sit and watch and listen and be like, why aren't they? You know, like the DD community is amazing. And as, as someone who literally their job is to work with the DD community, it is a pleasure on a day to day basis. The one thing that is a tiny problem in the D&D community is that uh, we all want to backseat game, other people's games. And it is super easy when you're listening to a bunch of people play a game to be like, why aren't they just being truthful? Why aren't they just being honest? Well, you try to just suddenly talk to a blue dragon out of nowhere after a whoopsie. I think all of your interactions with Underwrack and the fact that eventually y'all had to come clean with him were brilliant because they were true. They were... Not You're not always going to be perfect and have the exact perfect thing to say. And sometimes you're just going to stumble and do the wrong thing. And sometimes that's with a character or with a monster that it doesn't matter. But when you're talking to a really intelligent blue dragon, who also may have some tricks up their sleeve, that's going to come and bite you in the ass. And so I think that was way more interesting to have you all be like uh, uh, than to suddenly have charismatic suave bard show up as we were tra- chatting about before
1: i do recall the solution we came up with was that bernie told thontor that he got drunk dialed is that yep. right that was essentially the the beginning yeah I think it is – I mean, I think I agree with your authenticity point in that it's just, like, when you have something you're hiding, it feels like the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there is literally – other than him saying, like, if you happen to come across one of these things that is sensationally rare and likely you will never cross one again, then let me know. And us going, yeah, sure – and then the fact, I mean, like, other than that you were like, I'm going to put these in your path, but, like, from a bag <laughs> perspective, there's no reason for us to... Welcome to, to Chekhov's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. to Chekhov's
0: Musical Instruments. Chekhov's
1: Musical Instruments, if you introduce that concept. But it's for, like, it's this idea of, like, say you're trying to, like, say you're trying to hide the fact that you have done something wrong and i think or you're doing something that somebody's like please let me know if you did this and you're just like i don't want to go to lunch with you actually so now i'm gonna pretend like i'm doing you know like i think everything you do when you're trying to hide something it's like you feel like every action is screaming the thing you're hiding mm-hmm. yep. so, like bernie was like you were drunk and 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 we were drunk <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, this is the truth. This is, he's drunk and he called you. <laughs> and she's like, bye. <laughs> like, <yep. laughs>
0: and, and, and then, and then, you know, when you've got a dragon that can scry. Anyway, I have a quick question to end this on before, before we have to go. And I warned you all that I was going to ask this. So I wanted to know, and I'm not going to answer this for obvious reasons, but I want to know from each of you, what is in the coming year Uh, because there's still a little while left in this campaign before we're going to end, you know, assuming that you all don't die. What is one thing that you would like your characters to do? And what is one thing that you would like someone else's character to do or find out about? So who wants to go first?
2: I'll go first. So Travacore's whole story has been building towards his family's, you know, history of, of bad deal making and, you know, try to see what it looks like. And Traffic potentially is at the point where he gets to see what the other side of 2,000 years of of backroom dealings and, and madness look like. What does his family become? What does his country become? What does he become? And who is he after that? Obligation is taken care of. Does he turn towards the Heralds of Greenest and does he try and help them because they've helped him so much? Does he realize that, wh- you know, does he have to make decisions about what his facet is? Does he go home right away? Does he stay around for a while? Like, there's so many interesting choices ahead for this character who it's like, it's hard to see ahead of you when there's a cloud hanging over your head. Uh, so, what does Travancore do when the skies are clear? And I'm interested to see because
4: I don't know. Because I'm just going to decide in the moment what he would do.
0: Yeah. Who wants to go next?
4: I think Carlton, John the Player with Carlton, if you've listened to us from the very beginning, you see that Carlton's not only grown as a barbarian fighter, but also as a person. Like He's become more receptive of what his actions, what the consequences of his actions, what he says, and how it reflects on the people and how it's interpreted. And so I really want to keep growing Carlton as a person, not as a barbarian or if i can i multiclass into person
0: i think you already did <laughs> oh, i think cool. you all did i think i think that was your level one i think everybody started off as a level one person before they became a level one something else
4: yeah and then for the group i kind of want to just have us keep exploring new areas like let's go to the city of brass or the underdark or like let's get out of faerun for a minute
0: yeah, because y'all really like going to the Feywild. I loved it. <laughs> John Carlton
4: hated it. John the player fucking loved it. I love planar travel.
3: <laughs> Jonathan, how about you? Uh, Well, to that point, I mean, planar travel is coming. Next level. That's going to happen. <laughs> Whether it's a good idea or not, we'll find out. <laughs> I, th- I think Jonathan the Muscular has been exposed to a lot, in both in the world and out of it. And he wants to keep growing his power because it intrigues him. Like like right now, he's, at a, he's kind of at a point where his researching destructive tendencies is not is not on the docket. Like right now, he's interested in travel, which is why in the next two spells, you nope, know, yeah, without, yeah, you know, anyone can guess're going to be teleporting and plane shift. After that, he's going back to destroying things. He really, especially after talking to the Black staff, he wants to cast Meteor Swarm and Jonathan, the actual player, wants to cast Meteor Swarm. I want to go full Thanos on, on some poor, poor soul, some poor group of kobolds.
0: got get you those level nine spells then. So yep. we'll work on that. And finally, Bernie. I mean, you're in the middle of some shit right now, so this might yeah. be more difficult for you.
1: Yeah, and it's I, it, I think it is made harder by the fact that I've had time to mull. <laughs> Uh, And I'm just like making decisions about how Bernie feels about things. And mostly I – in my mulling, in my mulling time, I have become wine with spices. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But no, I think honestly when I was thinking about things and I – this came up a little bit earlier when I was just like, you know what, Bernie made the decision because she's selfish and she wants a thing. And I feel like – in Dungeons & Dragons, a lot of the time, what we get to do is we get to play, like, a person that we wish we were. Or we get to act out, like, what what evil is. And I always find playing, like, somebody, like, the, the like, lawful good or, like, I think I played Barney. Like, she's, like, chaotic good or neutral good. Like, she's not, like, that's what I wrote down. But honestly, I think, and this is more of an amorphous, like, weirdo Julia answer than a straightforward answer. <laughs> but I like the idea of exploring the nastier aspects of her personality, which sounds horrible. uh, But I think we all have them. And that's the thing is like you start playing a character and I think your, your, your instinct when you're playing a character and maybe this is not everybody's instinct, but you're like, I am a good person and we are heroes and therefore we have to act like heroes all the time and like always make the best choice or the right choice. And the longer I play D and the there is the more it is apparent, the more we say this, which is like, you're not going to win D&D. There's never there's you know, there might be the choice that opens the secret door or there might be the thing you probably should have said to that person to get them to do what you wanted or get a piece of information. But there is no winning. You don't win D&D. Maybe your character lives to retire and you go on and play something else. But I like the idea of imperfect people. Who make mistakes and I feel like Bernie is the most interesting when she's not the best version of herself. Which is hard. Like she didn't handle the Travancore thing well. And that was a choice. And I thought, I thought about it and I was like she could be this benevolent person who is just like you're my friend and I trust you implicitly. But I don't think people do that when they're presented with information like that. I don't think that's realistic. And you can play d d as realistic or as unrealistic as you want. That is the beauty of the game. As long as everybody who's playing along with you feels that way. But I think in, in any kind of spoiler, and I think this was, you know, something we all found out in the last game, Like she's still mad at something that happened. Let's see, I have her as 42. This happened when she was 16. Now, it's a big thing that ma- she's mad about, and she's a right to be mad about it. But, like, people are hurt for long times about things. And I think that is the more interesting story to us. So I think Bernie making it, like, I'm more interested in having her fuck up a relationship or do something that is, I remember my dad said something to me about why they sent me to church when we were little and why they thought that was important. The most important thing he said is that he said it was important for him, a person who is not a church-going, faith-believer person, was that he wanted my sister and I to be in a community and see what it is like for people who have tenets, who have religious tenets, who have tenets of their faith, who are struggling every single day to live up to these tenets and to understand that people who... Are a part of her, any religion, are just people. And I think it would be very interesting for Bernie to fail in her tenets of faith. <laughs> <laughs> like to be presented with a challenge and not and, and maybe not fail because that's like, oh, here's the one Lauren's here's here here's the ball Lauren's throwing. I better whiff on purpose, but just like have challenges to her faith. And it doesn't work out. She And to not be perfect. That is what I would be more interested in the coming year is options for her to fuck up. <laughs> and she might not fuck up. And she might. And I, that to me is what's interesting.
0: And as someone who does play a character who is trying to be a hero, who is trying to do the right thing and be a good person, and just because that's what you're trying to do doesn't mean that that's actually what happens. And the world is very rarely an easy choice. And sometimes you make the right choice for the wrong reasons. And sometimes you make the wrong choice for the right reasons and you still burn the world. So with that all in mind, (laughs) all I know is that what you Happy, said. New Year, <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone! Happy New Year, I'm going to burn no, the world down. No, <laughs> I'm going to burn the world. No, I agree with what you said, which is, uh, is there winning at D&D? No, but there is. It's called, we just had a fucking awesome game and had a lot of fun playing with each other, and so we won D&D.
4: Actually, Lauren, I have a question for you. Sure. You've known us all for decades now.
0: Yes. If oh we're not gosh, playing yeah. the
4: character that we're playing now. What race and or class do you think that we would be playing?
0: Oh, I've been wrong. You've asked me this before, and I've been wrong. I've been super wrong. And uh, I probably would have been better at this in the first year or two when many of you were new to D&D. But now y'all have played a bunch of D&D, so I don't know.
1: Okay, let's adjust it then. Okay. Not what would we be playing if we were all transported into the Dungeons & Dragons universe. What do you think we would all be? Okay.
4: Yes, I like that one. What do I think? Good one, Julia. What do I think you would I all? I said. I said. I set it up. And you just
0: slammed it. <laughs> Jack's a monk. Jack is a monk. He is, Ooh. and he is a monk. I'm not gonna pick races because I feel like that would be weird. But I will say he's a. <laughs> we're all human. <laughs> yeah, or you're all human. That's fine. But he is a monk. There's a couple of monks that are more about being wholeness of body and wholeness of spirit and, like, less about the fighting aspects and more about, like, the the actual, like, manipulation of key. I think you'd definitely be a monk. I think you would, your focus would lend yourself really well to that. yeah jonathan's a wizard i'm sorry as soon as you're in Feyrune and you have access to all that stuff jonathan's a wizard he (laughs) might i don't think you would be an evocation wizard i think if you got a chance to pick i i i think you would be a very interesting divination wizard oh that's high praise i think you would you would be like because the evocation stuff is fun and the bl- the blasty bits, but I think Jonathan, the actual player, uh, wants flexibility in that the divination wizard would be able to give you. And you would enjoy those moments of being able to say, no, I think you're actually going to succeed at this. Or no, I think you're actually going <laughs> to fail at this. No,
3: I saw it happen this way. That is a, well, actually, I can get behind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jules, I still think you're a cleric, but I think you're a trickster cleric. (laughs) 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 I think, I don't think, so here's the thing, like you just went on this whole talk about being a bard and and enjoying playing a bard and and you're very good at public speaking and you're very good at convincing other people of things, but you want to help people. In fact, I think if not a trickster cleric, I think you would be that homebrew cleric that the the Take This people did. That's the uh, psychomancy, the psychomancy cleric. That's the one that's all about mental health. Oh. I think you would be yeah. a psychomancy cleric. I think you want to you want to be able to, to to help people you want to be able to help people grow and change and you would be a, a total psychomancy cleric. Sarcasm at all. <laughs> and I'm split but I I think John you're So an a multi-class. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to go that way. I think you're an artificer. I think you're an artificer. I think you you would excel at that kind of Building things and like a little bit of that, I want to be able to 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 do offensive stuff, but I also want to be able to help my friends.
4: I mean, you also see my workbench at the shop; where it's just scattered with tools and parts. Wait, so what? What is an artificer?
0: So Artificer is the newest class that is official to D&D 5th edition. think Gnomish Tinkerer is kind of the cliche, okay. like the, uh, the big-haired wizard creating magical items. Uh, the Artificer is very specifically, you, you are a, a, a wizard, but you create things to do magic. You create... So a
2: Starfleet engineer. Kind,
0: kind of. of. Or kind of. Tony Stark. Okay. Okay.
2: Got it. Yeah. Got actually, it.
0: Tony Stark would probably be a, a better a better example. But um, but you can also do things like uh, you can literally create magic items that you can give to people. So instead of having to go find them, you can create and and not just like here are your your sword is a plus 1 sword, like here's a bag of holding. You can create an alchemy jug. You can create boots of speed. You can create like pretty cool items just through the power of your magic and through your technology. It's it's a it's it's steampunk meets D&D meets magic and I I think with all of the camera work that you do and with all of the setup and with all of the technical knowledge that you have, you would be an excellent artificer.
4: What was the other one that you were stuck on?
0: I was thinking fighter because you're a defender. Yeah. But, but.
4: Artificer's I, a better.
0: I think Artificer. Yeah.
4: Artificer's right. super fun. Uh, Billy
3: Boba Boom, who Bernie briefly met. Uh, mm-hmm. Artificer.
0: Yep. Mm. And there we go. That's where I'm going to end today's Yes question and answer session we'll be back to our regularly scheduled actual DD play where I believe you're uh, walking into something exciting we'll see what happens uh, we're actually playing two times this week as we record this and I'm excited to get I'm back very into play in the everybody. words yeah. of many Star Wars characters I've got a bad feeling about this there's no reason to have a bad feeling about this it's gonna be fine because you know what just like Jules said the only way to play at DD is having fun and we're always having fun so with that I'm gonna say uh, thank you for joining me and thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us for this this entire year, and we'll see you next encounter.
4: Thank you and to all of our listeners. Thank you, you all. We love Thank you. you. Thank
0: you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Uh-oh.